Welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community with each other to talk about mental health. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Dr. Adrienne Johnson. And today we are off the beaten path. Um, We are going on this journey with none other than Charles Roberts. Welcome to the show, Charles. Hi, glad to be here, Samuel. Yes, Uh, welcome. Thank you, Adrienne. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I'm I'm in my second career right now. I'm a, I'm a therapist, an LPCC, Licensed Professional Clinical Counselor and Supervisor. Uh, I've been doing this for about seven years or so, uh, and I'll get into that in a minute. Prior to that, I was a, a trombonist in the Air Force Band, uh, so my first degree. I played trumpet, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, brass. Oh, I play duets Brass sometimes. to the end. Yeah. Oh, we had a conversation about this. <laughs> Oh yeah, and Adrienne does not like trumpets. I do not so like she's trumpets. She's spouting all this. I'm, I am blasphemy. I am blaspheming against trumpets. Uh, I'm sorry to my listeners who are trumpet fans. The vast majority of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. no, you're good. Um, you're way cooler than most trumpet players I know. So that's uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, no, so I did that for a while. Did that for about a dozen years. And I really enjoyed that, but uh, then I, I went and tried to teach for a little bit. Uh, fourth grade is not my, uh, my <laughs> preferred audience for teaching. I learned that and then went to grad school at University of Dayton and uh, ended up getting my master's in um, clinical mental health counseling. And I've been doing that uh, ever since. I, I was the clinical director most recently at New Creation Counseling Center in Tip City, Ohio, and now I'm a therapist for Counseling Alliance, which is based in Cincinnati and Beaver Creek, Ohio. I can also tell you I'm a certified sex addiction therapist, as well as a developmental and relational trauma therapist, and I'm trained in brain spotting, EMDR, and a few other things that we can get into. (laughs) Many things. I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, so um, in conversations prior, we talked about how we wanted to cover trauma today. Mm-hmm. So what's your history with trauma? How, What does that look like? Yeah, uh, my history with trauma is my own trauma story. Um, that probably is what brought me to this, this specialization, uh, doing my own work, doing my own counseling over the years. Uh, I've grown a lot, and I've grown to uh, not only... Uh, love the people that I work with who are struggling to recover from uh, traumatic histories, but to love myself as I'm healing from trauma. So that that brought me to the dance, and then uh, just uh, reading a lot in grad school and uh, learning all kind of cool things. I, I think right now is the best time uh, in our history to be a therapist. There's so much great stuff we're learning, and most of it centers around uh, trauma therapy. Yes. And, and all these great models uh, that we're learning about. So pretty exciting times, and also I think really great time to um, to be doing your own healing journey because we've got so much great information, so many great modalities to yes. deal with. Yes, I agree. I love being a therapist right now. There are so, so many pieces of information you can incorporate into every session. And I find people really benefit from discussing their trauma. It's hard at first. Talk to us about what trauma is. How do I identify it? Yeah, absolutely. This is <clears throat> this is something I'm I'm kind of passionate about uh, because there's so many definitions. Trauma is kind of a hot button term right now. I think you know the tra- the word trauma literally means wound, and by that definition, I think uh, we all we, we all carry wounds. We all carry traumas. 
Uh, and I, I truly believe to be human is to experience trauma, to experience mm. woundedness. Now, not all of us who have trauma will meet criteria for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, but in some ways, I think the, uh, the DSM, our diagnostic manual, is, is really missing the mark on that, too. I think mm-hmm. that's just scratching the surface of, mm-hmm. of trauma and how it, how it presents in, in most people. I found diagnostically that it presents a snapshot, how we can identify superficial symptomology and signs that we see, but it doesn't give the whole story, and it doesn't recognize the emotional component, that deep down resonating pain and hurt that is long-lasting after the initial trauma event occurs. So how do we recognize trauma in others, and what do we do when we see someone hurting? Yeah, wow, big question. Um, how do we recognize it? Uh, I'm going to start with um, a tool that I use. Um, it's called the ACE. So the Adverse Childhood Experiences uh, study was done a few years ago. I won't go into the study, but you could Google it. Uh, there's a PDF on, online that's free for the ACE. It's just 10 questions, 10 yes or no questions that really uh, scratch the surface of trauma Uh, from the first 18 years of life, so developmental trauma. One thing that I find, though, with the ACE is that it really does just scratch the surface. Mm. It's really getting into those overt traumas Mm -hmm. that we look for. So uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse. It gets a little bit into neglect, but again, just scratching the surface. We've all experienced trauma, we've all experienced woundedness, and I, I think a really good way to to look at that is um, our bodies. Mm. Explain that further, please. Yeah, so right now, as, as we're sitting here in this room and, and sitting wherever you're listening, just notice your body. Yeah, notice, uh, start with your shoulders and neck, and just move your head around and Oh, I heard some cracking in this room. Yeah, I was yep. <laughs> rotating my shoulders yeah, yeah. and realized how tense I was. Yeah, so Whew. we're all carrying around all this tension throughout our body, and that's less than ideal. I, I happen to think that all that tension we carry in our backs and shoulders, necks and bellies especially, is just trauma that's embodied. We're carrying it around. Mm-hmm. And so when we can practice uh, being in a relaxed body, and seeing the difference, then I, I think we start to get a snapshot mm-hmm. of just what we're carrying around with us. And then the other way that it shows up is in our relationships. Mm. So I deal a lot. I deal a lot with um, couples who are uh, putting back, uh, putting their marriages back together after uh, all kinds of things, but you know, sexual betrayal, um, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I what I find is that a lot of couples are replaying childhood narratives, so mm-hmm. attachment and trauma woundedness from when they were growing up. And when we can begin to look at their story, particularly their relationship with mom and dad and, uh, and how they observed mom and dad relating to each other, we start to see that their trauma, their trauma from childhood is, uh, is actually very present in their relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that the root of these relationships, these injuries, can be found in body mapping, what you just described? 
Oh, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's always my go-to, to be honest with you. Um, uh, when I get stuck as a therapist, which is, I mean, every session, I, I just uh, take a step back, pause, and say, let's just kind of notice how that's hitting your body right now. And when a couple's doing, uh, interacting, communicating with one another, we call that an enactment, right? And mm-hmm. so when there, there's an enactment happening, I'll just pause for a second and say, oh, let's pay attention to your body. So we have this scale we use a lot in therapy, right? Zero to 10, it's mm-hmm. a, a SUD scale or whatever you want to call it. But uh, we say, you know, zero to 10, how intense is that feeling in your body right now? And we have couples uh, check in and say, I've got like an eight or nine right now. Something's wrong with that. Hmm. What, me- what that means is we're not in the window of tolerance, That going back to the polyvagal theory, We're not in our window of tolerance. And by the way, no good communication can happen if we're outside the window of tolerance. Could you talk more about like the mind-body connection and how they are connected? And because we talked about this on previous episodes with other guests. Yeah, I think uh, that's a really hard question to answer. I I think that um, they're more than just connected. I think they're one and the same. Uh, we, We tend to... I, th- I think we're really slow to catch up here in the West. You know, with the we tend to think of body, mind, spirit, and all these things being separate. I'm not altogether sure they are separate. Uh, I don't think the mind lives up in our head. I think it lives in our whole body. Uh, the mind is in our body. It's in our sensations. So um, I, I kind of like to, uh, maybe this is, I'm not an expert in Buddhism or anything like that, but it kind of gets to uh, some different ways of talking than Westerners normal, normally uh, talk. And um, maybe just maybe our categories are a little bit off there, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe everything is about spirit and heart and mind and body, and all those things are kind of wrapped in the, into the same mm-hmm. reality rather than distinct, like, okay, now we're just going to work on your brain for a second, or right. now we're going to work on your body. I, I don't know that we can really parse that out. Oh, they're infused. They are, yeah. They're very much mm-hmm. linked. Mm-hmm. I learned this week um, I learned this week that when someone is in pain and they're concentrating on that pain physically, um, it depletes serotonin in the spine. So depression and pain go hand in hand. So when we are being mindful and we're paying attention to how our body feels, it can help boost some serotonin, especially when we're reaching out and connect with others who understand us and can validate our experience. Can you speak to how that works with trauma? Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's beautifully said, by the way. I really like that. Can I actually, I want to piggyback off that as well. And like, are there, what are the physical, are there physical effects of trauma like that you can see in the body? So both, how does trauma affect your chemicals and Mm -hmm. how things are connected? Also, are there physical signs of trauma? Are there just like outward symptoms that you notice? That's a really good question. Great question. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. Um, You help me help me list some of these out. How about um, chronic pain? Yes. Chronic back, neck, shoulder. Headaches. Headaches. Yeah. Um, Let's see. High blood pressure. Low blood pressure. Um, Fibromyalgia. Yes. What else? Um... Any ailment that doesn't have a medical foundation. 
Yeah, right. And by the way, I think uh, doctors are getting hip to this thing uh, too. <laughs> they're they're getting to this now because I I'm getting um, referrals from like the Cleveland Clinic. Yes. When they have people coming there and they can't figure out like there's no medical reason. Right. Right. Why you should have this chronic pain? Like everything's good. Your your blood work's all great. Right. They're actually giving them the ACE, and what they're finding is oh. we've got people with ACE scores of four or higher. And they're saying, you need to go to a trauma therapist. I am very happy and relieved to hear that they are doing that. When when Samuel asked that question, and I was um, looking at you for those answers, (laughs) I I had all these responses in my head. And and I thought, well, there's so many. There's sleeplessness, and there's tremors, and there's pain, and there's um, relational conflicts, and, and there's so many that are trauma-based. And I think so many people go through their day and they think, well, it's just, it's work-related. I had a bad day or I had an argument with my significant other and that's the reason, but I'll feel better tomorrow. Or maybe I just slept weird. It's so much deeper than that. And I think when we look at the theories such as as mind-body connections and polyvagal theory, when we get into the crux of that, we realize that it goes so much deeper and so much farther back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One thing we were talking about earlier before the show started that I think is really important here, we in our field are talking about trauma-informed care and what does that mean. Yes. It's a huge shift, and it's really important that we we are not asking what's wrong with you anymore. We're not just treating symptoms anymore, which is great. We're we're treating people as human beings with stories, and so we ask, what happened to you? I love that. That's destigmatizing. And it's valuing the experience and the truth of the person. When we say what's wrong with you or or what's wrong, it's it's pathologizing. It's otherizing and saying, you need to be fixed. There's something wrong. It's making me uncomfortable. So you should address that. It's not right. And it's invalidating and it hurts others. And as therapists, we really want to encourage people to make that connection. So what kind of ask, questions can you be asking your friend instead of like, what's wrong? What's a kind of like a way that you can check in on your close-knit community um, that you could be a support without being putting people down? That is great. Mm, That's a great question. I love that question. I want to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah, I like saying, um, help me understand what that's like for mm. you. I love that. Yeah. Um, tell me that story. I love that. Mm-hmm. Share your experience with me. Mm-hmm. And really have a curiosity about mm-hmm. it. And don't do it in passing. Like, well, how, how are you today? And mm-hmm. expect the I'm fine response, the trained response. Really ask someone, what was this like? How are you feeling about it? Mm-hmm. How can I be with you along your journey as you heal? Mm-hmm. There's a quote I like. I have it pulled up here. It's from a, a book called The Heart of Trauma by Bonnie Badenoch. Really great book. She says, we all ache to be heard and held in the reality of our experience without judgment or any impulse toward fixing. Don't you just love that? That is powerful. That resonates with me. But I think um, we tend to just try to fix everybody. <clears throat> tell yes. me tell me what's wrong, and I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you advice, and let's just fix that thing. Mm-hmm. And presence, the theory of, of presence, and, and I uh, 
I lean a lot on Sherry Geller. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say her last name. She's done work on therapeutic presence. And, and it, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just that. It's the idea of being with someone, just holding a safe space with someone where you, in your head you're not thinking about what you're going to say. Yes. You're, you know, you, we don't give canned responses like, oh, that sucks, or, uh, you know, or you should feel happy, or, you know, just get over it. Walk or, it off. You know, the, feel better. the sun will come out tomorrow or whatever. That kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, like that stuff right, is right. less than It's dismissing. Health. Very dismissing. And what would happen if we just maybe um, pause and, and close our lips and open up our ears and, and just really listen? just exist in that person's space Mm -hmm. so is that possible to do over text how can you be with someone or just present with someone through a text message i ask my friends when they're going through a hard time or a hard uh, ordeal and i i don't know what it is and i don't want to pry but i want them to know that i'm walking with them i ask them what do you need from me or what can I do for you? Can I sit with you? And that can be physically or metaphorically. I ask them questions that are vague enough for them to feel comfortable in coming to me if they need to with detail, or just letting them know that I'm a presence for you. I'm here. I may not be sitting right next to you right now, but I am listening. I am hearing you. I am seeing you. And I want you to walk with me if it makes your journey easier. Yeah. And you raise a really good a good question here and I don't I don't want to sound old fogey or anything you know like I use technology and all that but but I think we're in a real crisis right now um, because even if we don't have our own trauma stories which I've already said we kind of all do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you turn on the radio or you go I'm old so I still use Facebook right so if you look at Facebook <laughs> or look, I'm at old all, <laughs> look at all these you know we're constantly bombarded with trauma stories from across the globe right and so on one hand it's really good to know what's going on on the other hand this stuff we just metabolize it or better yet we don't metabolize it we just stuff it into our muscles yes and we're carrying around this global trauma and we think that you know i'm connected i'm connecting to people i'm commenting i'm liking and all of that but i think there's something really lacking when we don't give ourselves more time face-to-face, sitting over a cup of coffee, sitting around a a table like this, I actually think it's really bad for us because I I I think we're we're meant, you know, with the whole interpersonal neurobiology field right now, what we're learning from Dan Siegel and Kurt Thompson and different ones like Mm -hmm. that is that there's something happening that we can't see when we're sitting together right now. The three of us are giving off these uh, electrical... uh, I don't know what to call it right now, but uh, waves, like vibes. waves, vibes, right? Like we're feeling yeah. with each other right yes. now in a way that the experience is so dynamic. Oh yeah, and yeah. you can feel it exactly. And I don't think you can get that over a text or over I social agree. media. I agree. Yeah, there's so much information being passed just because I'm taking communication classes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just in like seeing each other's expressions and body languages that even through Skype is kind of difficult to see. Mm. Um, so I was also wondering, because I think with what you said, the worldwide trauma, I'm involved in those groups that definitely feel that. And I also see a lot of my friends being younger people going, the world is literally being destroyed mm-hmm. and everybody's going day to day. 
I hear you say that we should hang out in community a little bit more, hang out face to face, but how do you keep your head up whenever there's just so much like cops are killing people on the streets? Mm. Student debt is trillions of dollars. How, how are you able, do you try to separate from that? Do you try to just kind of sit with it? What are different ways that you can deal with worldwide trauma? Mm. Wow. That is a huge question. I struggle with that so much, right? Because um, I don't have the answer. Uh, sometimes I want to just unplug from all of that. Yes. And yet, I also, uh, social justice is really important to me. And, um, and, and fighting for, you know, rights of, Absolutely. of marginalized people is very important to me. How do, you, how do you fight that good fight and not be in the know? You, you mm-hmm. kind of have to engage with that material. So I guess my simple answer would be um, you have to really have lots of self-care. You, you have to engage with yes. that narrative if you care. I think we can't, many of us may have privilege to not look at those things, and yet that's not right for us not to look at those things. So we have to. I've got to look at racial injustice. I, I cannot not look at that. So what I have to do then is I have to sit with people that I love and I have to get hugs and give hugs and look people in the eye and ask people, are you okay? Because I'm not. Um, I love Brene Brown's work. Yes. And I love the power of vulnerability that she talks about. Oh, yeah. And I don't think we can do this justice work if we're not really showing ourselves uh, compassion yes. and investing in uh, relationships. Yes. Do yes. either of you think that you could talk a little bit more about the power of vulnerability? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, I would say, yep, it's scary. I was just talking to one of my, <laughs> one of my, <laughs> one it of is my, scary. <laughs> one of my dear mentors, Connie Lawrence. She's my psychodrama teacher, which we might get into later. Uh, she, um, I was talking to her this morning in some supervision, and she said. Um, Vulnerability is yummy and scary at the same time. <laughs> and she is right. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah, I think it is. I uh, So I was working with a group of men, and uh, uh, a man was doing some really deep work. He just stepped into vulnerability. I invited him into that invulner- vulnerability and said, you have support. And this whole group of men, by the time he was done with his drama, we were doing a psychodrama, Every man there just had a look in their eye like, I've just tasted something that I've never tasted in my 30, 40, 50 years of life. I like it, and it's a little intimidating. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is it's totally worth it, and it is scary. And I would also say, if you don't know Brene Brown, get out there and do some Google searching and some YouTubing and just watch everything she's ever done and read her books and you'll get a real sense because that's really her work and I don't want to trample on it too much. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay to promote it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's our next phase of podcasting episodes is just invite people on the show who have read a book. (laughs) 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 And they'll be like, just be able to give us the information that way. The way that I approach self-care is compartmentalizing some of the social justice work I do and the many jobs that I do and the many ways in which I care for other humans. And 
I try to partition my energy so that I'm not depleted. It is so important when you are being vulnerable with people that you don't give too much, that you don't give everything, because there needs to be something left for you at the end of the day. You need to be nourished, and you need to feel replenished. So when I think I've given almost everything, then I retreat into my world, and I review all the good things that I think I've done for the world, and the good things that I can give back to other humans. And then I spend some time just thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow and ways in which that I'm going to contribute to humanity and ways in which I can contribute to my own growth and my own challenge because I'm growing along with my fellow humans. I'm growing as a person, growing as a teacher and a therapist, and and I, I want to bring that to others. So I save a little of my energy just for me to ponder that at the end of the day. Just as I'm about to go to bed, I think, I am grateful for this day. I have been given this day. I did the best I could. I'm going to spend the, the next 10 minutes just replenishing and thinking and contemplating what I'm doing tomorrow. And then I'm going to get some good restful sleep, and I start my day. Oh, that was very well said. I, I really like that. I, I think I want to appeal to all the helpers that are listening out there, you know, that um, helpers typically don't do a very good job of just taking care of ourselves, do we? No. And I think we, we maybe it's a martyrdom kind of complex or whatever it We're is. We're trained I don't to know. give and yeah, give, give and give, give. I think, yeah, just taking um, five or ten minutes at least between yes. sessions to recharge, to yes. meditate, pray, whatever you do, to, to give yourself plenty of time in the morning, maybe to not turn the news on on your way to the office. You know, just what can you do? to be fully present with yourself. Yes. By the way, that's I think that's the foundation for showing up for someone else. I love that. If we're that absent from our own bodies, right? How can we show up? That is so true. Yeah. That is so true. I love that. I love that. The way I cultivate that on a very selfish level is when I get up bright and early in the morning before I contemplate my day and how I'm going to give back to the world, I drink my coffee with my dogs and I watch them play and I lose myself in their play. And they are so excited with the very simplest things in life. And I think that's the joy that I love to experience. And that's the joy I want to bring to others, especially if they have had trauma. They need to know that joy, that pure joy. They deserve it. Oh, that's so good. I like that. Jesus says we should all be more like little children. Yes. Adrienne says we should all be more like puppies. <laughs> that's great. That's so I great. agree. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's it, my goal. <laughs> that's my goal in life. You know, I think, um, as and as we wrap up, I, I think one thing I want to just kind of say, maybe we can talk more about this in a, in a future episode, is that there is so much hope. Even though things are so dark right now around us, I just see so much hope for healing. Yes. And I particularly, particularly have hope when I look at your generation, to be honest. Yes, yeah. I agree. Just uh, I'm I, looking at the younger people, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Greta Thunberg, she is so inspiring. Mm. Have you guys heard about I've her not. story? I have no. not. Oh, my goodness. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Mm-hmm. I um, but she's like this young girl who was fighting for climate activism. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Her speeches are so inspiring. Oh, and I she's like 14 yeah. years old yeah. or something like that. That's but right. she just got to the United States, and they're actually doing, I think, a school walkout on the 20th. Mm. Here? 
all over the United States. <gasps> wow. Um, Where can we find out more information on that? Uh, I'll post something online if it hasn't already passed, but I do think it's September 20th. Mm. Um, I love that. Yeah, that skip is, work. <laughs> I, I'm, I've got chills. That mm. is the day of that that Facebook hoax where everyone wants to storm Area 51. Mm. And I posted on my Facebook how frustrated I was. Yeah. That day, that very day, people are going to be starving. They're going to be hurting. They're going to be traumatized. So many things are happening in mm-hmm. our world. And getting back to environmental climate change, oh. you know, how many trees are going to die on September 20th? So I am so thankful that she is doing that work. Mm. I want to participate in that walk. That is essential, that my mm. time is given in a way that is not ridiculous or absurd or harmful. Yeah, I'll post the link to some of her speeches, too, because they're really cool. You'll get chills then, too. Mm. Oh, I can't um, wait. There's this hope, too, where we really talk about human relationships and how important they are Absolutely. and how we can really grow and heal beyond that. And my mom said something really profound, which is like trauma can scar and hit through multiple generations, mm, but right. healing can also heal multiple generations mm-hmm. as yes, well. Yes, it can. So it's, Are you talking about epigenetics? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Yes, sure. Okay. Yes, he sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. But um, I do think, and I also think that hope is really good not to just think about and to say, oh man, wouldn't that be great? Like, I hope I'm a trillionaire one day, but to rather put your feet on the ground and actually say, yeah, it's good to hope about it too, but I'm hopeful because I'm actively participating in making that reality happen. That feels so good. Yeah. Yes. Right. So um, (laughs) this episode has gone a little bit long, but that's great. Uh, We are actually going to do a two-parter with Charles. So we'll be back in a couple weeks. You can hear us then. So check us out on Facebook. Please rate us on iTunes. I know we have a couple of reviews that are so awesome, and it's great to see those. Maybe we should start reading a review every time somebody posts it. Ooh, I'd like love that. that. Yeah, get them some airtime or something. I'd really mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. As long as no one puts, like, joke ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read or maybe those. we read the joke ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I pick my boogers, and I'm smelly. Well, that's the first Five one stars. we're going to read. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, review us on iTunes. Um, I always like to exit out on some thank yous. I want to thank um, Adrian Johnson, Charles Roberts, uh, my mom, Lisa Gilchrist, Alexander Wells, uh, Steve Prakas, Steve Dodge. Any- I want to thank Charles for being here, Samuel for being here and for making this happen, and my family, bringing me joy, helping me heal, and walking my path with me. Yeah. We're out. (laughs) Catch us next week.